You are listening to the Passion with Purpose podcast with Nathan Chansky. All right, my friend. So if you have ever wondered what moving your photography business to a new state or city or maybe even a country would be like, or maybe you're in that place right now and you're you're trying to move your business, or maybe you want to do that eventually, and maybe you just don't know if that's like even possible or a like reasonable thing to do. So we talk about all of those things on today's episode. So today I have the incredible Micah Cook from Micah Cook Photography. So Micah is a full-time wedding photographer who started his business as a hobby in landscape photography, which developed quickly into a full-time career in wedding photography after he graduated college. He's now based in North Carolina, shoots both local and destination weddings, has a people-loving extroverted personality, and was just recently married himself to his wife. So Micah dishes so much knowledge and wisdom on how to pivot your photography business from one location to another in this episode. And he breaks down like how to break into the destination space, how he markets himself in person and on social media, and so much more. This episode is actually going to blow your socks off because I I think this is a very relevant topic for a lot of photographers, especially because we feel like, you know, the area that we're in oftentimes is like our market. It's our, it's the people that we know, it's our clientele. Um, So like Micah's story and out of the box thinking is like most likely if you've had any of those thoughts, the exact thing that you need to hear today. So I'm not going to talk anymore because this episode is just such a doozy and so good and you're going to absolutely love it. So I'm just going to let Micah take it away. Let's get right into the episode. Are you an aspiring creative entrepreneur or established small business owner with a fuel to pursue the things that light you up like nothing else? If so, you are in the right place, my friend. My name is Nathan Chansky, and I'm a photographer and photography business educator. On this podcast, I'm here to drop nothing less than weekly truckloads of business and marketing tips, mindset shifts, and transformative wisdom from my life and career to bring you into the highest potential self that God created you to be. I will see you right here each week and let's commit to learning, growing, and achieving our goals together one bold step at a time. All right, Micah, how is it going, man? Thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, Nathan, how are you doing? I um, It's just an honor to be here, honestly, today. I'm super excited to chat just be able to share a little bit with you. So yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So for those of the listeners who don't exactly know who you are maybe and who maybe don't follow you or something like that, um, could you give a little bit of a brief background on you as a person and then also you in professional life and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Micah Cook. I am a full-time wedding photographer that is based currently in North Carolina. Um, It's weird to say that because I do a lot of destination work as well. But my career kind of has played a big part in obviously who I am and who I've become. I've always been a very extroverted person. It's kind of always been family and friends and people first. And uh, that's just really kind of how I've developed. I'm I'm 23, so I'm still fairly young and new to the career, but um, it's been incredible. I was born and raised in Northern Virginia, and then went to school in Central Virginia. So kind of all Virginia became home. I was doing a lot of traveling and driving around. um, And that's really kind of where I was able to make my name known in the wedding career, um, or I guess industry. I picked up a camera, I would say, probably nine, 10 years ago, um, middle school, early high school. It was kind of a school project. And I just picked it up. I think, honestly, when I say camera, I think it was really just an iPod touch. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I love that. Um, yes, but that was considered a camera to me. And I just went around taking photos. Um, it was part of a school assignment, but people were just like, Micah, you have an eye. And you know, it's the super saturated, off angle, contrasty photo of like a baseball <laughs> in the grass or something yeah. like that. Um, next thing I know, that kind of just turned into, oh, hey, you take pictures. Will you, will you take my photos for my senior photos? Whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. And you know, sure enough, hobby becomes passion and passion becomes career. So Mm -hmm. went to school at Liberty University, Central Virginia. I met my now wife, 
Uh, just got married back in November, which was super neat, kind of being full into the wedding industry at that point, and also yeah. planning your own wed- wedding. It, it definitely got really chaotic. I bet. Um, <laughs> but there was definitely a period I had not done a single wedding, really wanted to do a wedding, and there's just this endless circle of not having you know the material you need to book the wedding, and then not getting the wedding so you can't get the material, and it's just this endless circle like over yep. and over. Finally, that broke just with some some friends that I had getting married and a very, very, very low um, wedding cost or price from my end, I'll say that. And I kind of broke into that circle. And two or three years later, we are averaging about 35 weddings a year and growing for next year. That's awesome, dude. That's a little bit of that. Yeah. So you kind of grew a little bit at first, you'd say like just word of mouth and like meeting with the people that were already part of your connections, wouldn't you say? Yeah, so one thing that was neat was that going to Liberty University, uh, it's one of the biggest Christian colleges in the U.S., and a lot of Christian kids like to get married very young. Yeah. So I really was able to get my name in there kind of off the bat, and next thing I know, a lot of kids around my age, maybe a couple years older, were starting to get married. Um, At that point, I was doing a lot more couple work and kind of engagement, Um, a couple proposals, still was trying to work my way into the weddings. So that's really how I got to get my name around there. I was a part of a couple programs and things at my school that I was able to really introduce myself to people and people started to associate me with photography and camera. And then I got, yeah, it was definitely word of mouth. Um, But then things kind of started changing with um, Instagram and just kind of some reels taking off, stuff like that. And I was able to really grow my career from that. Yeah, that's awesome. I think it's so cool because, um, you know, like, especially when you have you kind of like your high school years, and then you also have your college years. I think a lot of people, depending on where you go, like depending on what school you go to, um, you know, they can retain a lot of those relationships and end up taking those relationships and almost converting them into actual paid clients. Whereas there are certain people like for me, you know, it's really interesting because I went to school out in Pennsylvania and then like I started my photography business in Michigan. So there really wasn't a lot of overlap. I have had a few people hire me from uh, my photography, basically from my school, but like very limited because so many of the people were out East, but it sounds like you were able to still retain a lot of those people kind of from your school days and I mean arguably maybe even not use necessarily like your degree for photography because photography is more entrepreneur related but like you are using so many connections from that yeah no and I um I agree and one neat point that I've realized is from my you know friends that I've had over the years in high school even you know back in middle school all the way through college one thing that I have found strange is that either some of them know a million photographers or some of them literally know only one and you're that so one. True. So, yep. you know, I'll still be hearing from people that I haven't talked to since middle school, high school. And they're like, Hey, Michael, we followed you. Um, you know, we're really just looking for a photographer for this occasion, our wedding, whatever. And I'm like, I haven't talked to you in years yeah. yet. <laughs> I'm the only photographer you still know slash are in contact with, Yeah, which is one super neat thing. And then another thing is that when I was at Liberty, I um, definitely thought about going the photography route. There was no, there was no degree for photography itself. There was a minor, so I started with that. And then at that point, I was kind of beyond some of what they had been teaching. So I said, you know what? I'd rather put that into my business. Mm-hmm. And instead, I pursued two business degrees. One was entrepreneurship, and then the other was project management. Mm-hmm. And in that time that I was there, you know, I, it's not that you learn to do your taxes. It's not that you learn all these little <laughs> things. What you learn is really customer relation, how to serve your clients, and basically just that relationship. So not only was I meeting people and retaining these friendships and all that, but I was really learning how to serve clients and to know Mm -hmm. how to put their needs first and how I can do that in my own career, my own services. Yeah. So you'd say that your college really taught you well in that regard? Yes, definitely. Um, When when you look at like textbook material, it's not like, again, I look at it like, oh, now I know how to, you know, buy a house and and pay my taxes, literally all that stuff. Yeah. But instead you start to make those connections. You start to get to know people that know other people. Yep. Um, and you photography, a lot of people think is just, okay, hold a camera, then go home yep. and have some talent in editing. Yes. Ninety percent of it, ninety-five percent of it is honestly pure business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it is calculating your revenue, calculating your expenses. Okay. Sixty percent of it is marketing. Yeah. Like, 
you know, it, every, everything around it is based off business. Absolutely. Um, so when you also have those friends that are business centered, it just really helps it kind of all flow. Yeah. It's so funny. I'm so glad you said that too, because I found that when I was first starting, I didn't realize that I definitely was much more in the camp of like, I just need to make my craft the absolute best it can be. And then I almost didn't have a whole lot of regard for like the business side of things and like the marketing side of things. And I find so much that the name of the game is not always to just make sure that you are the most like creatively original or whatever person, um, the most like artistically talented person. Like I think another thing that's really good to make sure you are, uh, I guess, refining is how good of a business owner are you and how much demand is there for your work? Because ultimately, if there's no demand for your work, like that's sourced from marketing or at least from your networking, it's really going to be difficult for you to grow and it's really going to be difficult for you to even use that creativity on anything because you might not be even shooting in the first place. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that's like, that's so interesting that you say that. I love, I love just kind of like hearing everybody's journeys because I feel like everybody's is so different and that you got that much out of school and like the relationships that you built there is just like really awesome. Can I, can I say one last thing on that real quick? Oh, go for it. Yeah. I think one thing that I want to kind of make clear, and it's something that I definitely didn't learn until a lot later on is how much of it is based off connections because you don't know when you're the only photographer somebody knows, but all it takes is for that person to say it to someone who doesn't know a photographer. Yes. And next thing you know, that's the word of mouth that you really need to get started. So it's all about connections. So even if you feel like you're still kind of finding your craft, you're finding your style, all that, still meet people. Don't, you know, don't, a lot of people are afraid to say, Hey, I'm a photographer because they don't feel like their work is the standard they want it to be. But sell that, sell yourself because you don't know when that's going to transfer and what client is going to make you take off, you know, all that. Exactly. A lot of it's It's like connections. It's like, tell everybody, you know, what you do and tell everybody that you love what you do. And even, I even find that, especially with something like photography, because it's so word of mouth based and maybe in a way that a lot of other businesses are not, I think that so many people hire photographers based on who just like how connected they are to them. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like sometimes they don't even, like, I, it was funny because my wife does a little bit of photography on the side. She does the type of photography that I don't do, more like families and kids. Mm-hmm. And so it's really funny that, um, and this isn't like a surprise to me, I guess, but it was just like, I don't know. It's like another moment of like, oh, duh, this is the way that photography works. She had a client basically reach out to her, but it was more of, it started as a friend. So it started as like more of a connection acquaintance. And this connection slash acquaintance found out that Kayla was a family photographer. Mm-hmm. And so like the minute she found that out, she reached out to Kayla and said, I can't believe that like I found, I, I can't believe that I discovered that you are a photographer. I can't, I've been looking for a photographer um, like to shoot our family photos. Like, and I've been wanting long. <laughs> I know. Well, and the fact that like, it's almost like I literally could type in Google or Instagram, like the word photographer. And I feel like I'd have billions of results. But the fact that she, basically she was just looking for someone she knew, like she was looking for that comfort zone of no like, and trust so that she could uh, give that person her business. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And then she found Kayla and she knows Kayla. And it's almost like she didn't even need to see a whole lot. She's just like, oh, I know you. You're the photographer for me. And it just like made me laugh because I was like, that's that's photography so much. Is It's it's do people trust you? Do people know oh, yeah. you? Exactly. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. All right. So I really want to dive into kind of like our main chat today. Let's just You basically talk about changing your location as a wedding photographer from time to time because you recently did this. Um, so like, where did you come from and then where are you now and how, if you could just kind of give like an overview of how that transition has been going so far, because especially for wedding photographers, location for a lot of us can be very important unless we are completely destination-based. So how's that been all going for you? Yes. So this is such an incredible topic because I have known so many photographers that are purely destination-based or so many photographers that are purely, you know, even within just like a 50-mile radius of where they live, you know, they, mm-hmm. they don't do much work outside of that. Yeah. So then it's really crucial to absolutely have your marketing down because your business relies on that 50, 100-mile radius that you're going to be doing your work in. Right. So as I said, I was born and raised almost my entire life up in the Northern Virginia area. Um, same church, same school, family, friends, everything, just always stayed connected. So that really allowed the word of mouth up there. There's not too much to dive into that. 
Um, but I still have my connections up there, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. When my career kind of started to change when I went to school in central Virginia, which was probably, it was roughly 180 miles south. So I okay. mean, obviously a good distance, about three, three and a half hour drive. I was meeting all new people. I, yeah. I got to meet people that were from where I used to be. Um, but I also met people that were from all over the country, honestly, all over the world. Mm-hmm. And you start to see, you know, over summer breaks and over spring breaks and stuff like that, you start to see their lives a little separately. Who they know, you start to make all those little connections. Mm-hmm. So kind of as my craft grew and I started to meet new people, it was pretty straightforward that it was word of mouth and social media and all that around the Lynchburg area mm-hmm. um, that just kind of started to help my career build. Yeah. The, the really big thing was then when I got married this previous November and my wife and I, who she is from Miami, um, but we met at school, we both moved to a completely different state um, and we moved to Raleigh in North Carolina. Now that's even a little bit less distance from Lynchburg than Lynchburg was from Northern Virginia. So it's not yeah. that I'm even that far, but you have to consider North Carolina is, at least I heard this at one point, one of the wedding capitals, at least on the East Coast. And you're moving into a place that either is highly competitive or you don't know anyone, which in in my case was both of those. Mm -hmm. Now, I had the benefit of last year growing my social media, um, primarily my Instagram, Mm -hmm. uh, roughly around like 10,000 followers, something like that, primarily from reels and the content I was posting. Mm -hmm. Now, this is definitely, I don't want to say an odd case, but a different case from a lot of people because not everyone experiences that. And a lot of people deal with that as a frustration or a struggle in their business is how to manage their social media. Mm-hmm. In my case, it helped often. And I know this conversation isn't about reels and, and TikToks and everything, but um, I definitely try to use my, I don't know, my, my expertise or my extrovertness, all sorts of stuff yeah. to really craft what I was doing in my reels. So sometimes I was just taking a humor route, sometimes an educational route. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'd be like, this is, these are the services I'm offered. But I wasn't trying to do anything too trendy. It was really just, okay, let me be honest. Let me be myself. Yeah. Let me embarrass myself, honestly. Um, and that really allowed people to feel comfortable and start trusting me in that way because of the algorithm or whatever you want to say. My work was able to spread kind of across the country. I guess to touch base before we moved to North Carolina, I had attended um, a couple different destination styled shoots. Mm-hmm. This was completely separate from the move. This was just something that had been offered by either friends or people I was looking for, you know, a couple that I wanted to work with and like, hey, do you want to go with me to Oregon? It was yeah. the most cool experience. I did these and I was able to start tagging those locations in my work. Yeah. Um, obviously, it was a little bit of an investment from myself, but styled shoots and, you know, basically just saying, hey, would you like to travel with me to go do your engagement photos? It really played to my advantage. I was yeah. then able to start tagging these locations that weren't really relevant to me, right? Um, I wasn't moving to Arizona. I wasn't moving to Oregon. These are just places I wanted to go take photos. So I started doing that and I started getting inquiries within the following months. I was like, hey, I saw you did work here. Yeah. Would you mind coming to do our wedding? Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean I book everyone, but those inquiries start to come in because people start to see that work. Well, fast forward um, to moving from Virginia to North Carolina. I moved to North Carolina a little bit after I had started marketing for this area already. Mm -hmm. So while I was in Virginia, um, maybe the three or four months leading up to the move, I had started my marketing. I was starting to tag North Carolina in general and Raleigh in general, even if the post I was posting wasn't necessarily from Raleigh. It was just to start to get my name out there a little bit. And I started to recognize that like, hey, I need to take this step before I move because if I move there without any potential clients or without any you know, acknowledgement of who's around me, it's going to be a few months of super slow business oh, before yeah. things start picking up. Yep. So we started contacting different event planners and different coordinators and just people that had basically North Carolina planning services and North Carolina photographer yeah. um, in their bio. And I just started reaching out and saying, hey, my name's Micah. This is who I am, what I do. I'm just moving. And basically, I just want to say hi. Yeah. Um, and that really, really played to my advantage because immediately I started getting people following me back and saying, great, now I know if I need an associate or a second photographer or if I need to pass clients off to someone, you know, I know you're here. And now I have coordinators that reach out to me every so often with, hey, we mm-hmm. have a client looking for your style and we've been waiting to work with you, you know, since mm-hmm. you reached out. And I don't know how many of your questions I'm kind of covering because I'm just talking, but no, this you're has good. been, I love this. This, this really has just played 
into my career here in North Carolina and how I kind of transitioned from one state to another. Yeah, absolutely. So what I'm hearing, just to kind of like summarize some of what you said. So first of all, you kind of touched on the fact that you jumped into things like reels and you jumped into putting yourself out there more than maybe the average person would. And you're just like, hey, I want to reach more audiences and I want to grow and I want to be somebody like, let's say on Instagram, that has a bit more of a following than I used to have so that you can just reach wider audiences. And that's just simple marketing, which is incredible. Um, And then you also touched on the fact that like you were going beyond just like your hometown um, for what you wanted to shoot and you were actually shooting shooting there. And then you were actually geotagging, I believe, or at least hashtagging Mm -hmm. uh, those places so that they would show up in those, you know, local search results. And so that local people would actually go to them. And then you were also getting in touch with local vendors to the place you wanted to be at and getting in touch with them, like prior to even being there and developing those in-person, because those are more in-person relationships. I mean, even if you're, I guess, connecting with them digitally, there is a dimension of like in-personness to that because um, it's not just a social media connection. Um, So I feel like the way you went about this was not like, oh, I'm going to sit here and just like, you know, that hope that people come and hope that like once I move there, like just by osmosis, like the the universe will bring me, you know, whatever. Say hi to one person at a coffee shop and be like, great, hope they book me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No, like you took a very proactive approach and there's probably dozens of other things you did, but I think those things are so incredible. Can you even talk a little bit about like, how did you reach out to, uh, like local vendors or local planners? Like, did you show up in their DMs? Did you show up in their email? Did you, like, how did you even find them? How did you even know that they were the right people to talk to or the right people? Like, how did that all go? Yeah, and I applaud you for retaining all that because I was kind of all over the place. And it's just no, it's been, good. A, it's been a huge, like, transition period, you know? Yeah. Um, I will say one thing on basically everything that I was doing, what I didn't notice was getting the most interaction and the most connection was mm-hmm. being bold versus having a following and posting photos that I thought were pretty. So being yep. bold and, you know, people will either be attracted to you cuz they see your follower count and normally those are the people you don't necessarily want to work with cuz it's very, you know, it's very I don't know how to say it, not structured, but you want people that are going to want to hire you for who you are and the services you provide, not just mm-hmm. because you have a big following, right? Yeah. So they're going to see that or they're going to see your photos and be like, "Oh, who is this person?" And they're going to start to get to know you through your photos and what you're posting. Yep. Um, as far as reaching out, one thing I did right off the bat, and this might, you know, hit a nerve with some people, I immediately got off the knot in wedding wire. Um, not sure who needs to hear that, but it has just been the biggest struggle, and I just felt like money was going out, 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 and just even doing the transition to move to North Carolina was not going to be worth continuing to pay to be on there. Sure. So then, obviously, that means I'm relying solely on social media and my skills of communicating. And connections. As far as some of those event planners and coordinators and other photographers, it was a variety of email and DM. A lot of people might say that DM is obviously not professional, whatever. If they have an email, reach out to them over email. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them, I can tell how active they are on Instagram. And because I did have work there that I wanted to present to them, I reached out to them via email and DM, yeah. um, both just a, a formal and professional email. And then a DM that was just alerting them that I emailed them, slightly introducing myself and what I was doing, um, just possibly for a quicker response and just also a little bit more of a personal response. That makes oh, sense. for sure. Um, so it was definitely a variety of that. And it, it kind of just ranged on what I said. And I would just take a look at their work beforehand and just say, hey, look, your work is stunning. I wouldn't hype it up too much. I wouldn't butter them up. But I really just wanted to say, you know what? Your work is gorgeous. I would love to work with you. Mm-hmm. Um, or if it was a photographer, say, hey, I just love your style. If you happen to need a second shooter or you have a client that you can't take, I would absolutely be honored if you could pass them off to me. Yeah. Um, I would love to work with you in the future. It's pretty much just that, having like putting no pressure on them, but just saying, hey, look, I'm here. I just want to get to know you. I really just want to be a friendly face. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've even grabbed coffee with a couple of coordinators that I haven't worked with yet yeah. solely because they know I'm here and they wanted to meet me in case any future clients needed my services pretty much. 
Yep. And I love that you went to coordinators too, because I always kind of encourage people, if you're going to reach out to your local vendors and you want to connect with them, the best thing to do, and you mean, you can reach out to any vendors. You can Mm -hmm. really do like any wedding vendors that you develop a relationship with. But I think oftentimes the, uh, I guess I'd say kind of like the hierarchy, there we go. The hierarchy of how people book for a wedding is they first go to either the uh, venue or they're going to go to the planner. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be one of those two. And then the second, or in this case, the third, is usually the photographer. Yep. Now, that's not always the way it goes. But then, you know, like fourth, fifth, sixth is probably videographer, florals, uh, DJ. All, yeah, DJ, Everything. all those types of things. So I think it's really good to understand as a photographer or whatever person is listening to this in the hierarchy of how people book you for a wedding who's coming right before you. Because like for me, um, I do not have a lot of videographer. In fact, I, I'm trying to think how many videographers, I barely have any videographers reaching out to me, um, telling me like, Hey, can I get on your recommended vendors list? Which actually kind of blows my mind because I get so many clients asking me, who are your videographer Mm -hmm. recommendations? Now I have them because I, I know like, um, I basically have done my own research. I have and, many that I search for. Yep. And I, I have I have few that have asked me. Yeah, I've done my own research and then maybe someone will ask me, or like if I have something specific, I'll tell my VA, like, hey, can you look up a specific type of videographer for this couple because this is what they're looking for? But the thing is, like, there's so many times where I'm like, man, I really wish I had <laughs> more um people reaching out to me. And so I if that's how I feel, I guarantee you there's um like coordinators or venues, venue owners who feel the same way. And then, and they're like, gosh, I wish I could refer them to some photographers. So it's really yeah. smart that you, that you went through that, through that hierarchy. And also I am so interested to hear your thoughts on like the knot or wedding wire or just directories like that, because that's something I've never touched on, on this show, but like, well, okay. I have my own thoughts on this, but like, mm-hmm. what are your, what are your thoughts on kind of going through there? And what was, what kind of led you to make that decision of pulling out of that? I mean, I would love to hear your thoughts and if they're contradicting <laughs> or, but for me, when I, I started probably, um, I want to say maybe like six months into doing weddings is when I started with them. And because they can kind of negotiate, I, I don't necessarily how it works their salary wise, but they can negotiate price with you to just really try to get you as a client. Because what I, th- if, if, if there's anyone listening that's not a wedding vendor, period, the not charges wedding vendors to participate and advertising their showing and advertising their service. And then in return, the knot tries to push clients their way so that they get paid. Well, it was bringing me some clients, but when you look in the long run and I'm paying, you know, say thousands of dollars to be on there a year, it takes at least two, three clients, whatever it was to, to meet what I'm paying. And in that case, I could have just been putting that money into a different source, a different you know, that makes sense. Oh, so there are, there are periods I wouldn't hear from anyone on the Knot um, Wedding Wire for up to, you know, a month, two months. Yep. And, you know, they say, oh, keep refreshing your bio, keep refreshing photos and, you know, stuff I was doing. That it's kind of like the Knot or the Wedding Wire algorithm. Yeah. And there was just really no progress, nothing. And at, at the same time, I'm pouring in my time and my effort into different social media platforms that are then producing the clients that, and the couples that I've been dying to work with, the locations mm-hmm. I've been dying to work with. And it kind of just finally hit me like some some point last year. I'm like, why am I spending $350 you know, a, a month to be a part of this when I could be putting $350 into an ad on Instagram that will then bring me 10 inquiries? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that was kind of my logic. And I mean, I I don't want to trash Wedding Wire in the not completely because I still go there to find some other recommendations. If, if clients come to me like, Micah, we love you and we want to, you know, kind of secure our wedding around your availability. Can you help mm-hmm. us find say like a venue or a DJ or someone in this area? Also yeah. go to the Knot and Wedding Wire to look for that. There's still, there are incredible vendors on there. Just me personally, um, for financial reasons and, and the work that it was bringing me, it was just not worth it. And I've, I've definitely run into several other people that were experiencing the same thing. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. I think that's, I always like hearing other people's kind of experiences with something like that, just because I'll, I'll be straight up and honest. I've never been on one of those directories. And the reason it's not that I haven't looked into them. Um, I think it was last year. Yeah. I think last year was the year when I was like, 
okay, I'll just like check this out and see. Um, and so I did a sales call with, or like an onboarding call with somebody at, cause I think, aren't they linked now? The wedding wire and the knot yes. or something like yeah, that. But I believe one of them owns each other or something like that. Yeah, exactly. So I did a sales call with them and I thought everything was like decent, but I think I ran into the same thing that you did was that the price that they were asking, I guess, um, seemed like it was going to just be like a hefty payoff. And um, I just didn't know if it was like the right thing for me at the time. But I think what really clinched it for me was just anytime I am going to be putting something out in terms of marketing, I always want to make sure that it that it basically aligns with like my core values of like what I want to find in a client and what I work best with. And I think for me, just what I've learned is that I work best with people who they don't just want to work with me as like a artist, as a creative, but I love working with clients who they want to work with me as a person and they specifically know me and they specifically found me um, from like a personal interaction. And I believe that social media allows me to do that so well, or even if you hit my website, it can like allow you to do that a little bit well. And so like to me, that's, or in person, if I have like mm. a word of mouth connection, something like that. So to me, those have always, always, always been my best clients. And if there's ever been a situation where I get an inquiry that's almost like a inquiry that just doesn't click right, if that makes Does, any yeah. sense. Right. No, a, lot of, talking about. a lot of times it's because they found me through a funnel that was like very impersonal. And it was just kind of like, hey, you're a photographer, you're at this budget, you have this look, almost like they put their preferences. Yeah, almost like they put their preferences in a calculator and like my name was spit out. And like, I just know for me, that's just like, it doesn't align with, you know, my values and what I want in a client. So that's why I've just, again, it's nothing against them. It's more just like against the model in and of itself is that like, I would just much rather people find me from word of mouth or from social media um, because I think, I don't know, I think I, I get better clients that are more aligned for me that way. Well, I can tell you, having been on there, that's exactly how it is. And I can, that was another reason of why I dropped off. It was not just the financial aspect of the money that was being poured in when it could have been somewhere else. But yeah. I definitely was getting, um, you know, first of all, it, the, the whole ghosting aspect of someone reaching out and then you know, never hearing from them again, yeah. dropping off the face of the earth. It's like probably 90% of people you don't hear back after you send them an initial message back. Yes. If you have a client that then goes to your website and then inquires through your website, your booking rate and success would be a lot higher. Yeah. But then the issue is they're filling out the minimal information, say like in your inquiry form, just to simply get a reply back to you. Um, so then you then you really have to kind of initiate that conversation piece, initiate that con- that connection. And so it definitely takes all these extra steps to get rolling. And I've worked with in couple, uh, incredible couples from Wedding Wire and the Knot. Um, I mean, obviously not that many, but the few that I've had have been incredible couples. And I've been able to make that connection with them. But I believe that's a lot of who I am as a photographer and who I am as a person rather than what they were looking for. And, oh, I just came across this work, as you were yeah. saying. So definitely having that social media presence and just advertising marketing there brings yep. in a lot more intentionality when you when you find couples. Absolutely. And it I mean it doesn't even I I think it doesn't even have to be social media. It's just like I think for me I just find that social media even though there's a lot of downsides to social media and social media marketing and I know it's competitive and I know it's sometimes hard to get your work out there but at the same time like the way in which people can find us as photographers is just much more relational and I just find that I don't know, much more empowering yeah. and much more like aligned. <laughs> exactly. No, I agree. Photographers, have you ever come home from a photo shoot, backed up your photos, and been overwhelmed at the number of photos you have to call or select from that photo shoot? I totally know that feeling. Like we really only need a fraction of those photos. So we need an efficient system that narrows down those thousands of photos taken to the ones we actually edit and deliver. All right. So let me tell you how freaking excited I am to introduce to you my go-to photo culling software, Narrative Select. 
Narrative Select is the calling app of my dreams and truly is everything I didn't even know I even needed in a calling software. Its incredibly intuitive interface allows me to seamlessly and quickly import my photos, sort them by capture time, gives me AI ratings on photos, checks for focus, open eyes without even having me to check, and my favorite feature, the close-up side panel that auto-zooms on faces so I never even have to. By the way, yes, I have tried other calling apps out there, and Narrative Select is my top choice and the one I naturally keep coming back to. I can't tell you how much time and honestly brain power that Narrative Select saves me, and it even gets better. You can even use Narrative Select for free, so you actually have nothing to lose here. So head down to the Narrative Select link in the show notes of this episode to have your own culling workflow absolutely revolutionized. All right, my photographer friend, I want to talk to you about one of the most important parts of your brand as a photographer, your editing. Do you ever find yourself so proud of your photos after a photo shoot, but you get home and you open them in Lightroom and you're finding that they just are not editing the way you imagined? Or do the technicalities of Lightroom just like overwhelm you and you don't know half of why you do what you do in Lightroom and now you're constantly re-editing photos and uh, I get it. I totally get it. I've been there. I functioned that way in Lightroom for the first couple years as a photographer, actually, and it cost me so much time, energy, and confidence in my work. But then I decided I was going to learn Lightroom inside and out. It took me years of work, sifting through stuffy long YouTube videos and tons of trial and error. So when I came out on the other side of this, I knew there had to be a better way because the empowerment that I had after comprehensively learning how to edit was incredible and transformed my photography work. But how could I package this knowledge in a concise, easy-to-understand format for others? Well, I did it. And I'm so proud of it. And it's called the Photo Editing Course. So this Power Punch course is a six-hour, 29-episode masterclass of how to edit photos in Lightroom Classic. Its technical section fully covers everything in the library and develop modules. And its creative section covers my best and tried-and-true creative secret tricks to making your photos drop-dead gorgeous. You can even watch me edit my photos from start to finish for 50 straight minutes. This course is more than a coaching call with me or mentorship could ever provide you on the topic of editing at a fraction of the cost of a six-hour mentorship, I might add. So if you are ready for the first and last editing course you will ever need, if you're ready to take massive pride in the kind of edits your amazing photos deserve, head down to those show notes to learn more about the course, and I can't wait to see you dive in. Yeah. So what would you say, is there anything like, and you can kind of do like a compare and contrast, but like of the things that you'd say that you did right with your location change, and then if there was anything that you were like, yeah, I probably wouldn't do that again, like anything you did quote unquote wrong that you'd just try to avoid for next time or like anything you learned, anything like that. Yeah, no, um, I definitely think that one thing that I mentioned of basically reaching out to vendors beforehand Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was probably one of the more important steps of what I've done. Um, again, I started that about three or four months before I actually moved to North Carolina. So then I was able to kind of get on their radar a little bit before clients started booking with them or whatever the case is. And several of them I have still not worked with, but are staying in connection. We follow each other and they're continuing to send me inquiries with people that they're like, Hey, I think, you know, obviously it, it, it's up to the couple's decision if yeah. they want to hire you or not. And sometimes they have a budget change or they have something that then will not allow me to work with them. But all the coordinators and events that, uh, event planners that I've reached out to are keeping me on their list and on their, mm-hmm. you know, vendor list for other potential clients. I think that was yeah. probably one of the, um, the best steps for me, I will say, being a typical photographer um, and having worked in a couple um, different specialty coffee shops in the past, I can't go a day without stopping into one shop or another and doing some work in the coffee shop. And I think another huge benefit has been a couple coffee shops around here that I just hang out at for hours and hours and hours. And part of just being bold is just talking to people next to you, even if it's just complimenting what they're doing or you see them working on a hard drive and you're like, are you a photographer too? You know, it it happens to all of us. Um, Just striking up conversation. I think that's one of the hardest things to encourage people to do slowly because there are a lot of photographers and a lot of wedding vendors that are introverted. Um, Oh yeah. And so it's hard for me to be able to give that advice to someone who's introverted because 
as you can tell, I talk, 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 and <laughs> I just thrive meeting new people and yeah. you know new venues, everything. So I think some of the best decisions have been around being bold and sure. initiating conversation with people. Um, yep. I can you know make as many ads and do as much marketing as I want. But if I'm not actually going to be sitting down initiating that conversation or introducing my, you know, myself to people that are in similar positions around me, you know, you're only going to be reaching a certain list of people, and yeah. a certain list of potential clients. Yep. And I, I almost feel like I always say that basically one good in-person connection is often worth like a hundred or five hundred like social media followers. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Because I mean, for, here, here, here's an example. One of the weddings I did in my first year in the career, in this career, it was a beautiful wedding. I charged them literally next to nothing. Over the past two years, they have brought me four other couples that have gone wow. married and hired me solely wow. because they were all friends and they were all at that, in, at that first wedding. Yeah. So I got to know them and I just did two of their other weddings and I have one or two more um, in the next year or so. And that's, so cool. that's really just how it works is that I just built this connection with them. Um, and I believe that they had found me off Instagram. So, you know, it just, it just kind of worked out perfectly that way. Yeah, um, absolutely. One thing I think I've learned is that having moved here, I still had a bunch of traveling planned for destination work. And when I'm not doing that, we travel to go see family and go, you know, on vacation, whatever. It has been hard to kind of settle in to mm-hmm. North Carolina and continue to settle in home. Obviously, it's only been about seven months. Um, so one thing that I've definitely learned is that you need to take advantage of the time you have when you're there, mm-hmm. right? Because when I'm away in Florida for a couple of weeks or I'm traveling to go do a wedding, I'm not here making those connections and in person and talking True. to people, trying to talk to my neighbors. And that's probably been one of the hardest things so far yeah. and, and things that I've been trying to change a little bit of being intentional of being here so that yeah. I can continue to market by, by word of mouth and by meeting people rather than just posting and geotagging where I am. Yeah, absolutely. And do you find, like, I've noticed this, some people have said this, whether they change locations or something like that, um, or even just, like, if I ever shoot anywhere else that's not normal to my normal locations, like my hometown. Like, I, I find that sometimes, like, culture even changes. I mean, obviously, we're all, like, a lot of times just shooting U.S. weddings. But at the same time, have you found that the difference between, like, states has brought with it any like cultural changes or even like when you show up to a wedding, like do the weddings function any differently? Like, I don't even know if the weather is like different or uh, do people book differently or are like price ranges different? Like, have there been any of those like unforeseeable or maybe you did foresee them uh, factors that you experienced? Yeah. So definitely um, I would say probably the biggest thing is the price, Um, price and weather, because obviously uh, if you do a wedding, on the Great Lakes, it's going to be a lot different if you do a wedding in Arizona versus yeah. one down in Florida. Um, so weather is just a variable that changes no matter where you're going. Just keep an eye on it before you leave for the wedding and, and, and know what to look forward to. As far as pricing, obviously, there are going to be people in each state that have a super high budget, and there's going to be people in each state that have a super low budget. And obviously, depending on where you go, you know, for instance, California is going to average an incredibly high <laughs> wedding price. Um, yeah. I think that I think the entry point in like the Malibu area for a luxury wedding, I think starting is around two hundred thousand. Okay, which is ridiculous. Two hundred thousand yeah. dollars, you know, just to start at that luxury wedding. Um, yeah. you know, and obviously then you're going to be looking at photographers who are charging anywhere from fifteen to you know thirty thousand dollars, which is just yeah, kind of mind boggling. Awesome for them, yeah. but um, <laughs> obviously on the East Coast there are also just amazing, beautiful weddings. Depending on where you're going to find them. But they're going to have a lot of them. The budget's going to be a little bit lower to enter, say, that luxury realm than they would be mm-hmm. out in California. Yeah. Um, but that just kind of comes and goes. I've noticed a lot of that just with the inquiries I've received. Um, but the booking process and a lot of how the way, the way like weddings operate themselves stays pretty consistent. And I will say part of that has been um, now having done this for about three years and you know just holding a camera for much, much longer... Mm-hmm. I am able to help the client and help the couple kind of form that wedding uh, the way they want it to and kind of help take control there and give them advice and say like, hey, look, I've seen the good, I've seen the bad. Um, mm-hmm. Let me give you tips here. Let me give you a little trick to help this better. Um, 
and I'm able to kind of take a little bit of control there to help their day run smoothly. Yeah. And then that kind of turns into just a very, not typical wedding day, but a typical, you know, stress-free, smooth schedule. Right. Um, so I would say the biggest changes are going to be really just pricing and um, obviously weather. And yeah. depending on where you go, you will find, you know, your Southern hospitality or you will feel, you will find people that are, you know, very, uh, what is it? Type A or is it type B? Which one's, which one's the one that's super plan? Like type A. I yeah. Believe. Type A. Yeah. <laughs> obviously not me. Um, you'll find your very type A people and then you'll find others that are like, Oh, you know what? Whatever happens, happens. Like I'm just here for the right. candid shot. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that really depends on state as much as it does. I was going to say, that can the, be like anywhere. I mean, yeah, I feel like that depends per client. <laughs> exactly. That's so true. Yeah, I think sometimes like um, if you are looking at like one state versus another state, you just have to, I don't know, you have to like be ready, I think, for a lot of different factors that maybe you're, you're not, I guess, experiencing if you're just shooting in one location. And you almost have to be like, I don't know, just almost willing to roll with whatever punches come your way. Um, and you're kind of getting into more destination markets as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how is that kind of like, well, first of all, is because I genuinely don't know, is that more of a recent thing for you? And then if it is more of a recent thing, or even if it's been something for you for a while, like how do you, how does that, how have you gotten into that first of all? And then like, how does that mesh with your typical like wedding lineup for a year? Yeah. Um, and these are great questions. I did, I definitely was doing some out of state weddings within the first like year or so, but obviously it was just a couple, you know, maybe like a state or two over whatever the case yeah. is like Virginia to Georgia or, you know, Tennessee, actually I don't want Tennessee. I don't remember, but North Carolina, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, as far as the destinations that are really like, for instance, well, I'll just say this, that started honestly within the past year. Okay. Um, and really took off this this year. I two in New York, two in Texas, two in Colorado, Arizona, Nevada. Obviously, some on the East Coast. It, it, it's really taking me all over. We haven't done any international yet. That's honestly coming next year. I have several international inquiries lined up, which will be neat. Ooh! But this year, that definitely started a good bit with um, that Instagram growth that I was talking about, and just yeah. reels reaching other people. Um, I went from about 1,500 followers up up to about like 11 and a half, almost 12. Um, wow. And then over the past few months, slowly went up a little bit more. Yeah, um, I kind of took a little break when I went to get married and kind of took a social media break. And I came back and, you know, really felt like Instagram just kind of was giving two middle fingers and the algorithm was just <laughs> out the door. Um, I feel that. But that happens to everyone and you just have to learn to look over it and you know, honestly, just use Instagram as a portfolio and a way to educate yeah, people. For sure. But as my reels were starting to get out there and starting to be seen by people, I definitely had the, a lot of those inquiries kind of fly in. And as they were flying in, there were people that were saying, hey, honestly, Micah, we, we saw your, you know, your reel four months ago and we've just been waiting to actually get engaged to reach out to you. Um, mm-hmm. And I even had a couple or two that uh, destination weddings that signed contracts with me before they were even engaged because they were just, wow. they saw my work and they were just ready to, you know, secure that. Yeah. Um, so a lot of that was just with my reels and just kind of growth there. A lot of that has transitioned over to TikTok now, um, which I was kind of, I was swearing I wasn't going to use TikTok and I was trying not to. <laughs> um, and then I started to, I'm like, okay, honestly, this is better than reels. So we're working on that. And that has brought me um, a couple inquiries for Lake Como out in Italy. Um, oh. A massive Cancun wedding that I'm trying to uh, work with right now and just a couple other ones. That's amazing. I think what's so cool too is I will see your TikToks and you will basically just put it out there to like the world. Like, hey, I would love to... Sh- I think you do this. I mean, I could be wrong. <laughs> Maybe well, I did. somebody yeah, else. The, the Lake Como video was exactly, I think, what you're going to talk on. Just like you, you just like put it out there. You're like, hey, I would love to shoot at this place. I'm not saying I have an inquiry for this. I'm just saying if this is you that wants to uh, get married there, reach out and like, you know what I mean? Like, let's work together. And I just yep. think that's so cool because we complicate things so much and we're like, oh, I'd love to shoot in this location and this location. And then we never like even like tell the world what we want. And so oftentimes we never, we never get it. Yeah, no. Yeah. How supposed? How how are people supposed to know? But it's like the fact that you just show up and you're just like, "Hey, I would love to shoot in this area, and 
Um, I don't have something booked for this yet, but I hope that the right person is going to watch this video and going to reach out to me. Because I mean, if I was on the receiving end of that, and let's say like that was my dream to shoot there or something like that, I would be so excited. Or it's meant to be. Yeah. Or even if it's like, oh, I don't really, let's say my wife and I like were not married yet. And we were like, you know, coming across Mike is real. And we were both like, okay, we want to get married somewhere internationally, but we don't know exactly like where, like I'm, I'm working with a couple right now and they're just like trying to figure out where in the U S they want to get married. They're like, we want it to have a cliff. We want it to have like, we don't know. But, and so they're basically like, we're still trying to figure out our venue. And so imagine like, someone in those shoes coming across a video and this person's like, look at this beautiful venue or look at this beautiful, beautiful location. And I would love to shoot at this location. To me, there's a lot of people with that flexibility who'd be like, Oh, let's do it. Like, give me, that's an awesome idea. Also, I'll book you. (laughs) You know what I mean? I think that's like such a, that's just such a, like, uh, uh, what's the word proactive approach to your marketing that a lot of people aren't willing to do, but I do think it has good payoff. Yes, and I am now learning that a lot of that is part of that being bold and just honestly, screw it, say it, do it, yep. do it. You know that is, is going to help run your business. Um, that one video you're referring to, it it's titled on my page, like Coma Wedding, and it's yeah. literally just me. I'm like literally in the corner. I said these are not my photos, um, <laughs> and then I was just talking about this is one place I've been wanting to shoot for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And if you hire me, this is the weekend package I will provide you with. And this is why. And I just, it, it was a, it was a TikTok that came to mind. I just kind of put it together over like 15, 20 minutes and I posted it. And yeah. a couple nights later it took off and I, it brought me, it brought me about like seven or eight official inquiries. And then a bunch of, I think like 700 people saved it. Something like on that. The lake, on the Lake Como one? Yes. Like 700 people so saved interesting. that. I love and, um, that. Two, there were two inquiries for Lake Como. There was one for Cancun and then a couple that were just sporadic across the U.S. And a couple that were like, we don't know where we want to get married. Help us. Um, yeah. But one thing with that is that I have a cousin that lives out in L.A. And he is a life coach. He does a lot that's supporting business and just finances and healthy lifestyle, everything. Yeah. And recently, I've just been talking to him a lot more. And he called me and he has an incredible following. He works with some incredible high-end clients. He, he, he knows all the LA bachelor people. It's, it's really funny. <laughs> um, and he called me and he's like, Mike, I can't believe you did that. And I, I was starting to freak out for a second. He's like, that was the most incredible like marketing tool you could have done. And the way people see that, and they're just like, either they are getting married there and that just came across their feed and they need yeah. you or they were just, Oh, we're engaged. Let, let me be on TikTok, And now this just completely spark spark something in their mind saying, oh, this is the package I want, or this is the place I want, and I want him. You know what I mean? Yes, but exactly. I was really happy with that, and I was just like, oh, it just kind of came to my mind, and yeah. one place I wanted to do. So I guess that's a challenge. It's so, like, I can't believe what we're talking about here, because we're literally talking about, like, the most simple thing, like, the most obvious marketing minutes move ever. Time. But so many people won't are, are not willing to do it. And even, I've even seen you post things uh, on your just normal account, like normal feed posts where you're just like, Hey, I'm updating my packages for the year or something like that. And here's what this package all includes. Like you're, it's like a whole launch and so many people, I am telling you what I could not find anywhere. If you like tried to pay me, I couldn't find anywhere on their website, what's included in their packages, what their prices even are, or what their starting prices even are, or just like anything about what they're including. And and it's almost like, well, shoot, like I'm going to go with Micah because Micah is first of all telling me what he's, you know, offering people. And he's also telling people like that he's excited about this brand new package. You know what I mean? Even if it's like, you know, you added two little things to it and you like <laughs> upped your prices. I mean, it's still like you're excited about the launch. You're like, I'm launching this, like it's a new product. And there's so many people in the photography industry that don't do that. Like I, I'm trying to think, I don't really know people who do that except for like you and maybe like a a handful of other people. And I just think that's so smart to almost launch it like you would a normal launch of a product. And it's so straightforward, but it's brilliant, honestly, because no one else is doing it. Yeah, and I'm not going to force you to have me back, but if you do, I could talk about marketing for hours and hours and hours. Um, (laughs) But the one thing I did is that I had a couple of people comment, oh, what's the cost for this, whatever. Some were a little bit more abrupt than others. And I debated for a little bit, okay, do I say it? Because 
it, it was a little bit of a higher cost, but I'm like, I don't want to shy people away and be like, ah, oh, whatever, and just completely oh, sure. lose their, you, you know, lose their interest in that video. Sure. But also I was like, it'll, it'll help weed out the clients that are actually interested in having me. And yeah. that also will go to show my transparency and my honesty in my work. And so I, I, I laid the price rate out there in the comments just for people to see. And it, that's kind of when a couple of those inquiries came in. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of times, like, so you're saying you did, you did lay out the prices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of times too, I mean, we also have to understand who the clientele we're speaking to is. I mean, if they're looking for a wedding in Lake Como, <laughs> I don't think that they're going to be like, too phased by the prices. I think oftentimes in those types of situations, they're probably going to be phased if your prices are like way too low. I mean, like I had, I think it was an inter- an interview. I had a client inquiry come in last year for Lake Como, literally. Um, it's so, oh my gosh, like excruciating because they were like, oh, we can't get married right now because they were from Canada and Canada was like all shut down. Yeah, I'm like still pulling that they like reach out to me. I'm going to be waiting till like I'm future. 83. I'm gonna wait until like I'm 83 until <laughs> that Lake Como. Yeah, guys, are you still you still married? No, I know they, they were like, we promise we'll reach back out to you, but I haven't heard from him yet. Um, but anyway, no, just the fact that like I remember when I was like telling them my prices or whatnot. I mean, I don't even think they probably didn't even hear me. <laughs> they were like, yeah, whatever. Um, so let's move on to you know like what actually do you include? Because seriously, a lot of times people are more worried about like. What are you going to do for them rather than like how insecure you're feeling about your prices or whatever? Like if you're insecure about your prices, they're probably going to feel insecure about your prices for some reason. And you know what I mean? It's just like sometimes you just got to lay it out and be like, this is what I'm offering you. This I want to get you the best freaking wedding day ever. And oh yeah, like price, that's a thing. But let's get back to like the trust you're going to have with me and these incredible photos you're going to get with me and like this incredible experience. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I think that's so cool. One thing that I encourage any photographer that's listening that doesn't already have this, if you have an inquiry form and I mean, Nathan, if you think differently, obviously I'd love to know, I strongly encourage having a little budget line in your inquiry form, um, just solely photography budget. And what this just allows me to do, it does not control anything of what they send them or whatever. It just allows me to know, where their headspace is at, what they are thinking for this, what they what they're trying to expect, all sorts of stuff, and it also allows me to open and either be very transparent if my pricing is above their budget, or to say, "Great, now that I know that this is your budget, I definitely have a package that works for you. Let sure. me give you what this package is." Um, sure. So, for instance, just because people put a number in that budget doesn't mean that's what they mean. I have sure. you know been able to work with clients and raise raise their you know their initial budget two, three thousand dollars more just so I can, you know, just so they, they can have me for their wedding day. Yeah. So so you're saying, just to clarify, you're saying that you ask people what their budget is and then they give like uh, a figure? Yeah. So I just in my little inquiry form I have a little line that just says budget. And yeah. basically this is where they put their photography budget for their wedding day if they have one already or like what their rough estimate for a photography budget would be. Sure. And when the inquiry comes through my email, I am able to see their date, location, all this information I've asked, and then I'm able to see this is kind of our budget to work with for photography. Yeah. Now, a lot of people, it's, it's not the final budget, or some people use it because, hey, look, this is the number we can't go past. And normally they mention that, hey, we're, we're maybe on a little bit of a tighter budget. Um, but this just allows me to know what to send them and say, hey, look, this definitely will work for you. Or say, yep. hey, look, this is what I offer. And I recognize that it is a little bit, you know, $500, $2,000, whatever, more than your budget. But my goal is literally to invest in you and get every little penny out of it. Yeah. Um, so then it just, it really works for them. And they're like, oh, you know what? Okay, great. We can pull this and actually put this money here and have you yeah. for, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. So can I like challenge you just a little bit? Yeah, please. So my thoughts on this are like, I I do agree a little bit, but I also disagree slightly. And I'll tell you why. Because yeah. um, number one, I'd say I don't ask people's budget on my inquiry form, mainly because number one, I think what it does is I, I just fundamentally think people don't like the money question. Like, yeah. uh, for instance, like if I were to ask uh, somebody like, 
um, how much do you make per year? I think that person on the receiving end would feel very uncomfortable mm-hmm. because we don't, we don't, a lot of people don't like to talk money like that. And so I think in the same way, a lot of people feel the same about maybe their wedding budgets. And so for me, like, I don't know if I want to ask them that because I think it might put them in an uncomfortable uh, situation. But what I do do is when I have my inquiry form, I basically put very, not bold, but like, it's not fine print. It's not bold. Um, it's not like a header. It's not fine print either. It's just kind of like a nice little line that says, Hey, like my wedding packages local for Michigan start at this number. Mm -hmm. And then my wedding packages destination start at this number. Mm -hmm. And so they can't even get to the inquiry form without like reading that. And so for me, what I found is ever since I put that in there, I barely have any inquiries that tell me like, money is the issue that we can't go with you because it's already in there and it's all, it's already stated, um, without me having to ask them. Because to me, like, I always want to make sure just like you, that people aren't, um, you know, like I, I would feel like I'm wasting their time. And then I feel like in a way they're wasting my time if we're just not going to work based on budget. You know, if you're, yeah. if your budget's like two grand and like my starting package is four grand, like I, I love you, but it's just probably not going to work unless we're like besties and like, I want to shoot your wedding for free or something. Um, and so like, I think it's really helpful to exactly what you're saying to make sure that that budget talk is somewhat addressed. Mm-hmm. And so like a lot of times when I get on, you know, photographer websites and they don't have any numbers anywhere and, and nothing like that, I would say it's really good to have some sort of starting price at the very least. You don't have to put like the whole kitchen sink on there. Yeah. A, a lot of people of, say this is hey, this is my average investment yeah, cost. You know, something exactly. Like that. I, I highly encourage that because it's not that you want to deter people that don't have that, right? Like my, right. my job in this career, and then, you know, I just believe this is the career that the Lord put me in is that I'm going to bless people and serve people that are coming in my path, right? Yeah. So there might be some people that, for instance, as you said, um, I've, I've had a bunch of inquiries that are in that $2,000 range. And when yeah. I mentioned, say, 4000 above, whatever the case is, there yeah. have been several cases that they are very willing to jump up there to work with me. And right. part of that has been personality and knowing who I am more than just the photos I take. Yep. Um, and I agree having the price on your website, I think is fairly crucial because it's going to help, you know, determine, okay, what package can you work with? Who, who am I going to be able to work with? Yeah. And even like, sometimes I think people think, Oh, all my clients have to be like these people that are willing to shell out like 10 grand every time. And And the fact of the matter is a lot of times, like it depends on how good we are at literally sales. Um, because sometimes the best clients aren't the ones that are like, are, they're the ones that you make into the best clients. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes you can, if you actually tell people like, Hey, this is how much I believe I'm worth. And this is how much I, uh, I do believe I need to be charging in order to get you an incredible product because I want to serve you. And I don't like, even I tell my clients like, Hey, I take a limited amount of, um, clients per year. And that somewhat does dictate my price, but I'm willing to take a limited amount and I'm willing to say no to certain people because I want to give every single client that works with me an incredible five-star experience. So, um, all right, Micah. So thank you so much for being here. I have one last question for you. Obviously I feel like we could talk freaking forever. Um, But yeah, like I always ask people at the end, um, like one of two questions, but let's do this. Let's, if you could go back to previous version of yourself and whether it's like at the beginning of your career or I don't know, even if it's like two months ago and you're just learning something now, what would you say to that previous version of yourself, whether it's advice, critique, challenge, anything like that? Yes. And I don't mean to just be repeating the same thing that I was saying earlier, but I would definitely have told myself to be more bold and to be proud of where I was, even if I didn't feel like my work was there yet. Yeah. Because some of the photographers that have come to me or have I've just heard and they they're always advertising what they do and like always wanting to do more and more and try to learn more. Um, yeah. yet they may not feel like their work kind of at that standard. The photographers right. that do that, I see them grow drastically faster than others yeah. and what I felt like I did. So now yeah. when I do any kind of mentorships, I feel like I'm pouring eight, nine years of my life and my work into yeah. somebody over the course of a few hours. When in reality, I just saw somebody go through that within six months a year. Yeah, um, exactly. So I wish I could have just told my, my younger self, like, you know what? Tell them what you want to do. Um, obviously, I had to know what I wanted to do before. You know, sure. <laughs> for, for a time, it was just a hobby. Um, but if you know that that's what you want to do and you just feel like you're stuck, just start go telling people 
you know, make free business cards, whatever you, whatever yeah. you want, but just, just be a little bit more bold about it and own it. Yep. And with that owning it, you're obviously just going to mature in it. You're going to learn business. You're going to learn sales. Your editing style is going to come out and you're going to get those inquiries that you want. Yep. It's like quit dancing around it and just do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so good. I feel like everyone says that, but you don't recognize it until you start living it. And you're like, oh, shoot, I should have yes. done that five years ago. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That's so good, dude. So where can we find you online, connect with you, yeah. follow you, say hi, What all those things? Absolutely. Um, I guess the two big social medias right now are Instagram and TikTok. And the usernames for both of those are Micah Cook Photos. Awesome, man. And yeah. then what's your what's your website? Yeah, micacookphotography.com. It's a mouthful awesome. and hate giving people my my work email because they just they're typing forever, but that's it. <laughs> it's pretty straightforward though, once you realize that it's just your name photography. It is. It is. It just it's the whole alphabet. There you go. <laughs> I love it. All right, Micah. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. I know people are gonna get so much value out of this. So thank you so much for having me. And I hope one day I can come back. All right. Absolutely, I would love it.